Well, they're not scared of you. They're scared of what you represent to them. Amen. Oh, we represent to them, man, as somebody who needs a haircut. Oh, no. What you represent to them is freedom. What the hell's wrong with freedom, man? That's what it's all about. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's what it's all about. Just what is it that you want to do? You want to be free to ride. You want to be free to ride on machines without being hassled by the man. All right, everybody, welcome back to Chopper Profits. I'm your host, Mike, and uh, today I have in studio with me a man who I've been following, um, like everybody else, on Instagram, and uh, I enjoy his work, I enjoy seeing the, the photos that he posts, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty stoked to have him in studio today. Welcome to the studio, Caleb Owens. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. Yeah. I'm stoked that you live close and... Or close enough. The Instagram follow thing, I was like, I don't know how to feel about, feel yeah. about that. <laughs> Stalker. I've been stalking Well, you. no, it's just like the whole tech, I don't know, man. It's kind of, uh, the Instagram phenomenon is pretty wild, you know. I had a, a buddy of mine, he was in my shop and we're mm-hmm. working and, and every five or so minutes I'm looking at him, he's got his nose buried in his phone. I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing, man? You know, what are you doing? Oh, Instagram, man. I go, Instagram? I go, and he shows it to me. He goes, you don't want to see this because you're going to get addicted to it. Yep. I said, no, just show it to me. So he's posting the pictures up. And I go, I have that on my phone, but I've never used it, yeah. you know? And uh, long story short, I had a, my brother-in-law, he was trying to develop an app, okay. you know, for the iPhone. Yeah. And he developed something similar to that. In Instagram, it was called PlaySnap, you know? Okay. This, is, this is two and a half years ago. Yeah. Probably a little bit longer than that. And so he, uh, I had it on my phone, testing it out, and he goes, "Oh, download this one. This is our competitor, but they got millions of dollars or something like that." And yeah. So I took one picture, posted it, and didn't touch it for two years. And then people started like all of a sudden, it's like you know, <laughs> like holy crap! You was know? that competitor Instagram? Uh, yeah, it was right Instagram. On. So I had it on my phone forever, you yeah. know. And then uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, I have to admit, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm not as uh, hardcore about it as other people, but the idea of of following guys, you know, like especially with the bike thing, seeing what they're yep. working on or fabbing or, you know, it's 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 pretty neat, I have to admit. But, you know, like anything, it can be a little uh, um, nutty when yeah. you're people burying their face on their phone, you know. that's I think that's just technology today. I mean, yeah. I, you know, Facebook was the first one to really do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I remember I, I fell off Facebook purposely just because I spent so much stinking time on it. Yeah. It was ridiculous. And uh, – I got off the Facebook personal, the personal side of Facebook yeah. as soon as my family started posting stuff, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> so my aunt started, or my brothers or something like posting some family drama. I said, okay, it's time to get off. Yeah, done. The Facebook thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, Instagram's definitely one of those things that, you know, like you said, it's it's addictive. Yeah. Uh, it's But it's a quick addiction. You can, as long as you're not following 10,000 people, you can flip through the new yeah. photos and then get on yeah. with your day. I had this uh, idea, I'm probably jumping way ahead here, but I had yeah. this idea because we can talk about all this stuff later, but you know, I was talking to somebody about how with the social media and all that stuff, and every time somebody gets on a motorcycle now, they're taking a picture. You know? Yeah, they ride to the grocery store, they take a picture. I went to the grocery; <laughs> they're getting gas, and you know what I mean. So we joked as like, you know, if I see another picture of an old motorcycle on the road, for God's sakes, you know, it used yeah. to be a novelty. It's like, wow, check that guy out; he's on a knucklehead riding down the road, you know. Yeah. And now it's just like, oh my God, every time you pick up Instagram, you know, so. uh I've been toying around with this idea for a long, long time of doing a ride, you know. And uh, so um, before I had an accident, we can talk about that later. But yeah, yeah. Uh, 
I came up with this concept of doing uh, an analog called an analog run, mm. where probably I haven't worked it all out yet, so mm-hmm. stay tuned. But uh, the basic idea is, is to do a really, you know, good long ride in the in the hills somewhere up to a campsite somewhere. Yeah, and uh, no cell phones, no nice. Instagram, no digital cameras, none of that. And so the whole idea is to see if people can, you know, really unplug and live in the moment. And it's a hard thing to do, I know now, but uh, uh, but that's something I'm working on. It's going to happen. So. Dude, I'd be down for it. Yeah, yeah. Heck we'll yeah. see how many people are down for it. <laughs> you know, don't pull your cell phone out, you yeah. know, for a day, you know. But uh, it's it, like going to uh, going to the Love Cycles party. Uh, that was the hard part for me. I wanted to post for my wife, sure, but I ended up. Uh, you know, many times I just put my phone on on uh, airplane mode, stuck it in my, my sure. pocket, and didn't touch it. Yeah, yeah. So I don't have that many pictures of the ride out there. But. It's a hard thing to do nowadays, man, because we're all kind of wired in, you know, yeah. and even me. And, uh, you know, I remember a time, a lot of guys don't remember a time. I remember a time when there was, you know, no cell phones. You didn't yeah. have a cell phone, you know. But um, it's a hard thing to do. But now I, if I go on those events or those rides, generally I'm – I don't take pictures or any of that stuff anymore because I know I'm going to see a million of them yeah. on the internet, so I can just you know pull them down. Someone else is going to be taking pictures. Somebody I'm else sure is taking, you. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Somebody else is taking pictures and stuff, and so, but it's all good. It's all gravy, you know. Well, you you were saying that uh, you know there was a time before cell phones. Let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, let's talk about your your childhood growing up. And oh God, yeah. <laughs> what was it? Uh, I don't think we have that much time. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> we can make it a two part series. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was what was life like in the the Owens household when oh. you were younger? Hell, man. Can I cuss? No, okay. Most, yeah, you can. Okay. It's, a, right. it's uh, marked as explicit in, All right. in iTunes. <laughs> in that no case, joke. In that case, fuck. <laughs> um, wow. You know, I guess as it, all this pertains, I try to keep it on topic with the whole motorcycle thing. You know, I, uh, I had a big family, four brothers and two sisters. You know, my dad was a was an old World War II veteran, and um, <clears throat> my mom was, you know, the quintessential mother. Mm-hmm. And we grew up in... Uh, a small three bedroom house in suburban South Miami, Florida, you know, post World War II track housing. Yeah. And uh we were totally, you know, middle class, not a lot of money, you know, that kind of thing. So when I became around the ages that, you know, a lot of guys are getting into motorcycles, you know, fifteen or fourteen or maybe they're get a little dirt bike or something like that. We never really had that kind of means to be able to yeah. go to the store and buy a motorcycle and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But my brother, <clears throat> my two older brothers, Chuck and Buck. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's their nicknames, of course. <clears throat> they got into motorcycles, and we had a bunch of guys in the neighborhood that they grew up with that were into motorcycles, you know. And uh, Chuck bought this. I think he was about 18. He bought this, uh, saved up a bunch of money and bought this 51 I've told the story many times, sure. but he bought Not this. here. Yeah. <laughs> First time here. He bought this 51 panhead basket case chopper, mm-hmm. you know, wide glide front end, 10 over. And uh, I posted some pictures up on my uh, on my blog some, seen some time ago. Yeah. And uh, that was his sort of uh, indoctrination into the whole chopper thing. And I was probably 9 or 10 or something around that age, around that age. And I was just immediately enamored with it you know and uh watching him tear it apart in the backyard i remember him hanging the frame we had this big ficus tree in the backyard and he hung up some wire and hung the frame from the wire you know Mm -hmm. and sanded it down and then painted it you know with black spray paint and stuff 
and the frame, I remember he got it from this guy. Uh, the guy had wrecked it and his old lady wanted him to sell it, you know? So mm-hmm. he, he, uh, the frame, <laughs> the frame was, if I remember, it was like pink <laughs> with like these red rose vines on it. It was pretty, wow. I mean, nowadays, like there's cats that be like yeah. spending all kinds of money for that. That's pretty correct, man. What, what'd you, what'd you Full on Bondo, that? the whole deal, yeah. you know what I mean? And, uh, but back then, you know, guys didn't want that shit, you yeah. know? <laughs> so, the bikes were very individual to that yeah, person. Only like, he wanted yeah, it. Yeah, sand it down, paint it black, and let's go, you Yeah. Know? So I watched him tool on that thing for a while, and he he moved into a, a house where he had it in the back room for a while, you know, and mm-hmm. built it, built it, and and then eventually in some apartment. I remember he had it in, like, some two-story apartment. And anyway, so that kind of planted the seed, you know? And yeah. My other brother had a – he later on, he bought a Cowie. I think it was a Cowie 900. You know, like, and he, he was into Kenny Roberts, and we would go to Daytona and watch Kenny Roberts race and all that kind nice. of stuff, you know. And uh, so that's where the bike bug came th- from, you know. But um, it wasn't until years and years later that when, when I had the means and the ability yeah. to really, you know, jump in head first that I did, you know. So it's it's awesome to hear that you know, cause most most of the stories I hear they're influenced definitely by either the older brothers or the dad. Right. You know, my brother sure. got a bike or my sure. dad was into, you know, tinkering on stuff. Sure. Um, so from, from the, the bike perspective, yeah. I love the story. What, what about from a, just the home life? I mean, was, was your dad working and all the time? And your oh, mom my was dad. At home? Yeah. Yeah. My dad was the, the quintessential, uh, you know, uh, family man in the sense that, you know, every morning, yeah, five in the morning, he was up, you know, and going to work and coming home every afternoon, every night, six and, you know, weekends it was working on the cars and working on the house and that kind of thing and the only time i ever remember us really doing anything vacation oriented was uh we would go to uh visit my mother's family my grandmother grandfather stuff and they lived in uh in georgia Mm. up around atlanta outside atlanta so we would go up there in the summers pack everybody in the cars and you know and drive up there and um we did a lot of fishing with my dad. You know, my dad was big into fishing mm-hmm. and uh, down in the Keys. And we grew up on a we grew up in an area called Westwood Lakes, which was a freshwater lake, had a series of canals. So we grew mm-hmm. up fishing and stuff in there, and catfishing and all that kind of stuff, and going to the Everglades a lot. And yeah. I got a brother-in-law that's a big gladesman. You know, he's an old-time gladesman, hunting alligators and that kind of stuff. So, in general, home life growing up was was good. I mean, you know, we had it tough for sure. My yeah. dad, you know, my dad was a war two vet and had the post-traumatic stress disorder stuff, you know, which, you know, they didn't call it that. Then, yeah. But so there was, it was rough. You know, my dad was a pretty hardcore disciplinarian, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, but, you know, all, amazingly, all us kids, the seven kids are alive, still alive, you know, that's just surviving Miami in the eighties. Yeah. You know, cocaine wars and all that other stuff, yep. which is, you know, I tell those stories a lot. People don't believe me. And, uh, but, uh, it's all true what they say about yeah. Miami in the 80s. You know, <laughs> was, I've been shot at many times. <laughs> there's a reason why Miami Vice <laughs> caught on. It, it, yeah. it became an idea and became yeah. a television show and caught on. Yeah. But, um, you know, no, I, I you know, I can't, compl- looking back now, I'm, you know, almost 45, I'll be 45 this year and, mm-hmm. and definitely, definitely had some really, really tough, difficult times growing up. But, uh, yeah, I wouldn't change it. 
for a thing, you know. Sure, it made you who you are today. Yeah, exactly. Made made me the man I am today, good or bad, you know. Take yeah. it or leave it. So, so at what point, um, you know, in your, I, I don't know at what point Crow Customs came about, but yeah. at what point did you? I mean, did you have a career or a job before building bikes? Yeah, yeah. I um, I st- was going to co- I was going to college. It was in yeah, I was going to college part time. I was working every kind of job you could imagine in South Florida, mm-hmm. and I was going to college part time. And, um, at a certain point, I just bit the bullet and I finished my degree. Nice. I had, I had people telling me, you know, cause I wanted to study art, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, be an artist, whatever that meant. <clears throat> and everybody of course told me family included some family, uh, you know, you're not going to make a living doing there's that. No <laughs> yeah. There's no money in it. Da, 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 da. You got to do something you're going to make a living at. And so I tried to study, or I did study education for a while, mm. which I loved. You know, I, I taught. I taught, uh, you know, I did all the student teaching stuff. And, you know, I did uh, from uh, daycare to substitute teaching eighth graders in high school and all that kind of stuff. Nice. And at a certain point, I got really disenfranchised with, uh, or I got really sort of discouraged with mm-hmm. uh, the educational system in Florida in particular, because they're always pulling money away from education and the yeah. arts, especially. And I was, you know, I was studying art education. Happens <clears throat> in California too. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty <laughs> bad. So I got out. I said, you know, screw it. I'm just going to finish my degree mm-hmm. in art. I'm gonna, I'm gonna study studio art, sculpture, painting, all that stuff, and nice. uh, I'm just gonna finish my degree and see what the hell happens. I don't, I don't know what the hell I'm gonna do, you know. Yeah. So, uh, along during that process, I stumbled across this uh, facility in uh, Florida at the time. This is early, early late '80s, early '90s, that was doing computer animation mm. uh, to <laughs> this guy's poetry. Okay. It was a research facility where they were doing. Um, research and demonstration stuff for educational purposes. Mm-hmm. And he was a tenured professor at the college I was going to, Florida Atlantic University. And he, in turn, this is a radical story, in turn, he was the poet laureate of Florida. Wow. So if your listeners don't know what a poet laureate <laughs> is, Google it. And you, you basically, you're the poet of yeah. that state. Yeah. You know, you're the dedicated poet for whatever that means, you know. It's a pretty high honor. It's a major honor, yeah. And But poets will tell you, you know, uh, that, that and 50 cents will get you a cup of coffee. Right. Right. Now it's $2 and 50 cents. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Truth. But, uh, yeah. So I went into this place and they were doing all this computer animation stuff and visual it just blew my mind. I was like, wow, check this out. You know, and this is in the middle of Florida yeah. where n- nothing is going on. And I was enamored with it. And, uh, I approached him, I said, you know, how do I get in here? How do I learn this stuff? Mm-hmm. You know, well, we don't really teach. Da, 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 da. I harassed him for a while and I was a student, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and for whatever reason, he decided to give me an opportunity and a break. And, you know, I said, okay, well, we'll let you come in here and learn this stuff and I'll be your tenured, prof- you know, I'll be your, uh, professor. Mm-hmm. So I kind of created my own little program. And I went in there. What what that meant was I drove there and I sat behind this computer and I read the manuals and I learned this. I did it myself, basically. Yeah. You know, I taught myself how to do this computer animation stuff, and I was really, really into it. And um, at a certain point, I'm like, okay, what the hell am I going to do to make a living? You know, yeah. and how do you make a living doing this? You know, 
And so uh, the only opportunities really for, for that kind of stuff at that time were either in New York or California. Hmm. And a lot of the stuff I was associated with was uh, a lot of uh, experimental stuff like medical and that mm-hmm. kind of thing, blah, blah, blah. Aerospace industry. Yeah, all like that. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it was just starting to kind of make its way into the film industry and mm-hmm. video games and that kind of thing. And so I said, you know, well, F it, you know, let me pack up my, I don't know, 1980-something Mitsubishi pickup truck I had at the time <laughs> and with a with a camper top and throw all my junk in it. Yeah. And I think I had $1,500 in my name. And I loaded it up and drove west. Nice. And I rented a... Uh, me and my girlfriend at the time rented this converted garage apartment in Inglewood, California, like literally in the middle of the hood. That just that just screams like you got to have someone going Inglewood. Yeah, Inglewood, <laughs> and it was, dude. Let me tell you, man. I remember we rented that this little place, and it was horrible, man. It was horrible. Tiny, skinny little thing, and and yeah. uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the guy that owned the place. He said, "Listen, when you get home at night." Make sure you're in before dark, hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You're like, I grew up in South Florida. In the 80s, dog. Yeah. Come on, who are you messing with? Inglewood <laughs> <Right. laughs> awesome. ain't, ain't messing with. You know? right. He says, if you see any cars coming down the street and they turn their lights off, get in the house. Yeah. Right? He's yep. So, you know, this whole drive-by thing. I'm yeah. like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And he used to park a van in the front of his house. And he parked the van because to protect his house from shootings. Wow. Yeah. So the first week we were living there, I walked down. I start to walk down to the corner store to get some uh, get some beer or something, mm-hmm. and uh, it's all the whole intersection is completely cornered off, and there's somebody dead laying in the middle of the street, you know. So it was pretty gnarly. So that's the kind of tan. I went off on a little tangent there, but that's mm-hmm. kind of that's a basic story of uh, that end of uh, making a living, you know, from your career to yeah. So at, at what point when you were out here did you decide you know what there's there's no money in what i'm doing or maybe there is yeah. and i'm ready to transition into well the thing bikes. about the whole crow customs thing and how that all kind of came about was <clears throat> it was the bike thing was always this this little bug in the back of my head mm-hmm. from my brothers you know and sort of my life took this different direction and it just seemed like every time i wanted to go get a bike or buy some parts or something like that. There was something else going on, yeah. you know? And I was working all the time and I got married, my first wife, and she just didn't want to have anything to do with motorcycles. I lived in the mountains of Malibu for three years. Wow. And I didn't have a motorcycle. Wow. Which is like sacrilegious. Yeah. I mean, and I remember <laughs> living there every day going, God damn, I need a motorcycle. You know, what the hell? Why These I don't roads. have roads. Right. And my wife was just like, no. I'm not going to be with you if you have a motorcycle, that kind of thing, right? Yeah. And of course, everybody knows that, that didn't last. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, attention, women out yeah. there. Probably you know. for more than more reasons than just can't have a motorcycle. It, but yes, lots of reasons. But yeah. uh, so when when that all kind of dissolved, that's my relationship <laughs> dissolved. You yeah. know, immediately, that's exactly where I went. Hmm. to a motorcycle you know i i had i was going through a really really rough time uh with with the divorce and everything else that was going on in my life at the time <clears throat> and i started riding again and i was riding with my brothers and stuff down in florida mm-hmm. and i just felt okay this is this is time for me i, I want to build a bike i want to i want to put something together i just mm-hmm. want to kind of you know throw myself into it and uh 
And it wasn't an idea for Crow Customs. Just like I wanted right. to ride a bike, I wanted to build a bike. It was nothing, you know. And so I did. I started collecting a bunch of parts, and I lived in this garage apartment again in transition. I started building a thing in this garage apartment, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I remember getting home. I had <clears throat> the frame on a dolly, a little furniture dolly. Mm-hmm. And uh, the garage apartment I had had a Murphy bed. Okay. You know, they fold up in the wall. Most people wouldn't know what that is. But. Yeah, so that's why <laughs> it's a bed that folds up against the wall and you fold it down when you go to sleep. Yeah. Kind of thing. It's it, it's a great studio bed. It's great, yeah. A lot of people in New York know exactly what yeah, a Murphy bed exactly. is. And uh, <laughs> so I would come home at night after working and I'd move all the furniture out of the middle of the room mm-hmm. and then I'd roll the dolly in the middle of the room with a frame on it and work on it. Nice. You know, <laughs> in the back of this place. And uh, so I had this goal of... Uh, Finishing the bike and riding to uh, to Florida to ride with my brothers. Every year we would do this ride. Mm-hmm. And I know this is kind of a long roundabout way to get to Crow Customs, but I, I think it's kind of all relevant, at least yeah. to my evolution of of why I'm doing what I do and why I ride motorcycles and why I love motorcycles. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I think that's what the listeners really want to hear. I mean, yeah. I know I do. Whether yeah. they want to hear it or not, I'd want to. Well, I'm saying it. it, so here you go. <laughs> um, so the the sole motivation for any of that stuff was always just family, you know, to ride with family, to be with my family and a bond, you know? Yeah. It wasn't anything else. It wasn't, you know, I want the coolest bike or the fastest bike or the niftiest paint job or the coolest handlebars or whatever it was that yeah, none of that mattered to me. It just mattered that I had this motorcycle that, that maybe I built, you know, myself and, and I rode with my brothers, you know? Right. <clears throat> so every uh, year, we would uh, go have Thanksgiving at my mother's house. She lived up in uh, outside Ocala, Florida. Okay. And we would ride from my mother's house to the National Cemetery, which is about 100 or so miles. Not very far, mm-hmm. but really nice ride through central Florida. Mm-hmm. And so we'd ride to this National Cemetery where my dad was buried. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was just like a just really, really heavy duty. I get goosebumps every time I talk about it. Yeah. It was just a... A real important family thing <clears throat> and we would ride there and we'd sit around my dad's site you know mm-hmm. and tell stories about my dad and drink a little moonshine and yeah you know what i mean yep. and curse and ride the bike bikes back and stop at every little bar and have a beer and to me that's like everything yeah. about motorcycles and about what brought me to motorcycles you know and uh so i had this nutty idea of building this bike and riding it to Florida and doing that ride, you know. And uh, so I built it, and I was just about to get the thing done, and barely, yeah, I was it was barely done. I didn't get it running, <clears throat> and I was running out of time. So I said, you know, screw it. Well, I'll throw it in the back of the truck, and I'll drive. Yeah. And when I get there, I'll get it running, and then we'll, you know, figure it out. And it actually, ironically, turned out to be um, a really, really profound thing that happened that I did. Um, and I can't imagine it happening in any other way because it was really the, you know, although I had motorcycles up to that point and tinkered on them, it was really the first motorcycle I built from the ground up, collected a bunch of parts and you know, all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so when I got to Florida and I got to my mother's house, immediately my brother was there, the one that kind of sparked the bug in motorcycles and my other brother too. Was it Chuck or Buck? Chuck was he was the main guy that, okay. that, that he started sort of the motorcycle thing. But Buck definitely, Buck was probably more of the 
the instigator because okay. he was always in my ear. You got to build a bike, man. Yeah. You got to build one. You know, he was always the one there. Chuck was more like, ah, whatever, you know. Chuck was definitely an influence, but he was more of a, you he know. He was the doer. Yeah, did it. exactly. And Buck was always, you know, the one pushing me yeah. to do it. Don't buy one. Go build one. You know, yeah, that kind yeah. of thing. So they both, I'll, you know, get definitely get credit for, for busting my balls about it, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, <clears throat> so when I got there at the house, we pulled the bike off the truck. And, you know, I blew down there. It took me like three days to get there, you know. Nice. And, uh pulled the tr- the bike off the truck and pulled it in the garage and and uh, my brother Chuck and I sat there and adjusted the push rods and kind of tweaked it and put gas in it and we kind of did the final wiring on it and stuff and and we got it cranked up for the first time mm-hmm. and I'll never forget that as long as I live cuz <clears throat> there I am in this place the whole reason that brought me to motorcycles mm-hmm. and the first motorcycle I built from scratch I get it running with him. Yeah. And it was, you know, we, like, I was overwhelmed at the moment, you know, with emotion. Yeah. And it was, that surprised me too, because I didn't really expect that to happen, you know. And so we're, you know, hugging each other and. It's the pinnacle of your experience. Yeah, totally. I love you. I love you too. Yes. It sounds probably ridiculous to some people, but, but for me, it was like, holy crap, you know, wow, this is what this means. You know, it doesn't mean having a cool bike and all that other stuff is, is, is so silly compared to what this means to me, you know? It was the bringing together of, of your brothers and you. Yeah. Based around uh, the love for, for a machine. Yeah, but exactly. But ultimately, you yeah. know, it, it brought you guys closer together. Yeah, and, uh, you know, and some people say, well, you know, that could have been anything. It could have been skiing or yeah, something. Was, like. This was your experience. Though. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe not. <clears throat> I think there's something more to that process that created that moment you know Mm -hmm. i don't think that i don't think the moment could have been i don't think that moment could have happened if if that process wasn't there in the beginning in other words if i bought a bike from someone sure and that didn't have the motor running and i went there and he helped me get the motor running i don't think it would have made a big deal I don't think it would have been a big of a deal, but I spent months and months and months and months tooling on this thing. And in the back of my mind, those memories of my brother doing it and the back of my mind, you know, the memories of riding and the the bonding and Mm -hmm. the connection and the, the troubleshooting and the frustration and the stress and all that stuff that goes with that kind of process. And it's a process of evolving as a person, Yeah, evolving as a, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think it's a, in a, strangely spiritual sense i think it's it couldn't have been in any other way so so that's i think that's if there has to be a birth of crow customs that was it that was it i I think that's a fantastic creation story (laughs) (laughs) because it just it outlines the fact that uh you know what the show is all about that it's not about the bike that you build i mean it, it can be part of that yeah. it's not about the best bike you can build it's not about the best builders it's not about the people that right. are the best tattoo artists or musicians it's about the individual experience of the person yeah and who that person <clears throat> is and and what their life has been like to bring them to this yeah. moment and i think that you know i always talk about authenticity you know with whatever mm-hmm. it is you're doing and we happen to be talking about motorcycles and i think that there's so many people doing this stuff now out there you know right and i think it's beautiful and i think it's wonderful to see it but you can always tell the difference between between something that's authentic yeah. and maybe something that isn't quite as authentic. Yeah. And that's not something that you can fake. 
right? Being authentic. You can't fake it. Yeah. You know, you can put the, the vest on and grow the facial hair and, you know, whatever and look, you know, and look like you've been riding for 20 years. But if it's not authentic. Who is it? Uh, I was watching a video the other day. I think it was Max, uh-huh. uh, which I haven't met him in person. You know, just following him on, on Max. Tumblr. Max Chef. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And um, he was, I think it was a skate video, actually. He was talking about how, uh, you know, you can you can fake it in the motorcycle world. Sure. You can, you know, go grab a, yeah, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about dropping into a bowl or something. Yeah. Yeah. You can't drop into a bowl. And that's, that's the truth. So even guys like, you know, I don't necessarily agree with him a hundred percent on the whole faking. You can fake the motorcycle thing. Yeah. I think, but I got his point. Yeah. Like you can put the clothes on and you can do this thing, you know, and you can go out and get your chopper and make it dirty and, and, and you can take the pictures and look the part. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I agree. Absolutely. And, And, you know, for the, for that token, I think you can look the part as a skater as well. Sure. But I don't necessarily agree that, and maybe he was making this point and I missed it, but I think it's a big difference being able to get on a bike, mm-hmm. especially building a bike with your own hands mm-hmm. and riding it and knowing what that means to ride it. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's one thing to get on the bike and ride around the corner and Instagram it and look how cool I am. It's a whole other thing to get on the bike and really know what that means to ride that motorcycle. Yeah. And, uh, I know it's kind of nebulous to say that, but it's, you know, it's really true. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an experience that sometimes, uh, are, there are no words to describe yeah. what it means, you know? So at I, least I to agree. me anyway, yeah. 100%. There's, there's a sense of, it's like anything, a sense of accomplishment with, yeah. you know, if you were to, I mean, since we're talking about motorcycles, if you were to build that motorcycle from the frame and all the parts that you spent, you know, a year, two, three, five, ten, whatever, going to swap meets mm-hmm. and searching Craigslist to find, to put that bike together and you put it together with your own hands, the moment that you kick that thing over, or the, you know, if it's electric start, the moment you start it, there's nothing. There's no, I don't think there's any words to describe. It's no. not like, oh, it's done. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, and and you have that sense of tie. Uh, you're tied to that bike. Sure. You know, you created yeah. it from parts. I mean, I I can talk about this stuff all day. I mean, me I, too. You know, I love it. You know, I mean, <laughs> but for me. And then either you take it a step further. I think I love all motorcycles. I mean, mm-hmm. I think all motorcycles are cool. It just so happens that I, you know, my inspirations and, and my leanings were always with the old stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and the old, uh, old V twins. But I always, you know, people always ask, well, how, you know, why are you, uh, you know, you got no front brake and it's jockey shift yeah. and you got a drum brake. It's like dangerous and you know, whatever. And I say, well, yeah, it, it is. But I think, it's just a different kind of experience, a mm-hmm. riding experience. And I, and I, and I equate it not exactly, but I equate it to something similar where guys that are free climbers, you know, mm-hmm. they get on the mountain, they got no ropes or nothing. They start climbing. If they think about anything else that they're, instead of what they're doing, mm-hmm. they die, yeah. they fall. And now riding a ch- old chopper is not, as extreme as that, but there's it's a, close. There's a good possibility you could die. For exactly, not but it's close. Exactly. So that kind of extreme focus allows you to get, you know, into a deeper space. Yeah. You know, a deeper zen, if you want. You yeah. know, if you want to call it that. So I think, you know, there's no other experience like that. I think you know, yeah. and uh, and then you know, blowing down the road at 90 mile an hour, and you know. So on something you built, yeah, that uh, acquire that requires extreme focus. Yeah, and uh, you know, and it's like for me, it's a whole idea of overcoming duality. You know, mm. 
and people talk about it, but it, you're always kind of searching for that moment where, you know, time basically stands still and, mm-hmm. you know, you're one with the bike and one with the road. And I mean, it's a cliche to some degree. People talk about it quite a bit, but it's, you know, it's a hundred percent true, you know, and I've, and, and I've been lucky enough that I've had a lot of those moments, you know, on the road. I would say maybe not everybody ever experiences that too. They, true. they can experience the cliche of like, oh yeah, I feel in the moment. I right. feel like one with my bike. But really getting there is a different thing. Yeah. Right. So, so Crow Customs is born. Right. And, um, at what point did you move forward with Crow Customs to, to yeah, be... sorry, we got kind of off on. No, 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 it's yeah. perfect. <laughs> um, no, I built that bike and then, uh, so I got into this sort of swing where I was like, okay, I'm ready to build another bike, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, I sold the bike and then I used the money, a little bit of money. I didn't make a lot of money off of it, but a little bit of money I made off of it. I started another build. Mm-hmm. And that sort of started, I started doing like one or two bikes a year just for myself, mm-hmm. you know, just for fun and, and, and that whole idea of what I talked about earlier. And you're working some other and job. And I'm working, yeah, yeah, independent doing uh, visual effects work. Okay. And so fortu- I was fortunate enough that, you know, obviously the visual effects stuff making a regular job, I, you know, that yeah. financed it in yeah. essence, you know. And... um so again, my brother's my brother's got a bug in my ear, and a couple other people are like you should do this. You know, you should open your own shop. You should do this. You know, you're good at it. Blah blah <laughs> yeah. blah. I'm like, no, no, no. I just like I have fun doing it. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to open my own shop. You know, I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to do service on bikes and other people's stuff. You know. And when it turns from uh, something fun to a to job. a job, you're like, oh, I don't want to do that. You know. Yeah. And uh, as time goes on, I'm getting more and more, you know, individuals, some people close to me pushing me to, to do something. I'm like, okay, well. What and so I started thinking, okay, what can I do mm-hmm. that's not necessarily, you know, a typical bike shop, right? You know, and so, and ironically enough, I had an accountant that was still a guy doing my taxes. He goes, and every time I'd go, he was into bikes too. And every mm-hmm. time I go, and oh, I'm working on this bike, I show him pictures of it. You know, he goes, yeah, you should start your own company. <laughs> and I go, what? He goes, you should start your own company. You should start, you know, that way when you build a bike. You can basically get the tax break of, mm. you know, and you could get, the, you know, he basically, he informed me of, of the business acumen yeah. of, of, of the whole situation. Right. And in essence, that, uh, the basic idea was to, to get a little bit of a tax break yeah. and, and, and be able to afford to build the next bike. Right. Right. I was like, oh, that sounds like a great idea, you know? And this crow is just basically Caleb Robert Owens. Ah, that's where crow comes from. That's awesome. So when I said, "Okay, I'll start my own company, Crow Customs," boom, all right. And so it was just an extension of my serious hobby yeah. initially. And so as that started progressing, I started, you know, I started getting uh, interest in the in the bikes, and mm-hmm. you know, I'd, I'd go to shows, of course, and or go to rides in particular. I didn't do a lot of shows, but I'd go to rides, mm-hmm. and guys were always you know, uh, tripping out on the bikes. And I was one of the few guys riding an old bike, you know, Mm -hmm. if there was anybody else, you know, so I do these rides. We rode to Mexico one year and there was, there was a handful of old bikes, but not a lot. And, uh, and so it just sort of started progressing a little bit further. I'm like, okay, what, what, again, it was in my mind, what can I do to really, is there, is there a market there for me? Is, you know, I don't want to be another, bike builder per se i don't want to do what everybody else is doing i just i want to keep this fun for me and i want to you know what i mean so it just sort of progressed so you know i I would do a bike i'd sell a bike i'd do a show and 
you know, I, I think the catalyst probably more than anything as far as Crow Customs being more of a brand, mm-hmm. if you if you will. Uh, even saying that makes me a little uncomfortable, but it is. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. I you guess say, you, know? you say Crow Customs, and people go, "Oh yeah, Caleb." Yeah, it's it's cool. I mean, I'm flattered, you know, but yeah. it's it's all a bit strange. It's to, still to your love. Yeah, exactly. It is. Yeah. yeah, but I think the catalyst, and again, I think it's all kind of poetic mm-hmm. to, to some degree, is because the old, the sole reason I ever loved getting into motorcycles was riding and riding with family and that kind of stuff. Right. So I stumbled across these cats. They were putting on this ride in uh, Mexico, riding to San Felipe, and uh, <laughs> he's taking a picture. Everybody, so I'm shooting the bird. Sorry about that. I forgot. I was sitting here thinking, you know, I haven't taken any pictures yeah. yet. Usually, I do when people yeah. are in the studio. So perfect. Um, so these cats were uh, putting on this ride. This is way before blogs were a big thing, or way yeah. before any of that stuff was. And these cats were putting on this ride from. Uh, from California to Mexico, San Felipe. And I had, I was living in San Francisco at the time and I had just moved back to the Venice area. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, and they were saying, Oh, old bikes ride to Mexico. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. I'm, I'm totally down for that. You know, I, I never into Sturgis, never into these big right. shows. I want to ride my motorcycle. Yeah. And so I didn't know these, any of these guys from Adam, you know, I sent them an email, Hey, I'm down, let's go, you know? And yeah, sure, we have no idea how many people are going to come, but this is what we're doing. You know? And so last minute, a buddy of mine uh, decided to go as well. And so we got on our bikes and we rode down to Temecula and met up all these dudes in Temecula. And then we the next day, we rode from Temecula down into San Felipe and then across San Felipe. To, now everybody knows this is the El Diablo. I was going to say, yeah. it sounds like you're uh, yeah. you're leading up to El Diablo. Yeah, yeah. So it was the first year, 2006, El Diablo. That's awesome. And by that time, I had already, Core Custom started in 2003, mm-hmm. 2002, officially, 2002, 2003. So by that time, I had built a handful of bikes, and mm-hmm. but I wasn't really sort of out there, you know? Right. And so I did this ride, and I rode this this blue shovel head I had at the time, the only 200-tire bike I ever built. Nice. Big stroker shovel and uh, hand-built tank and, you know, Springer front end. And it was a nutty – it was a fun, fun bike. Yeah. Not anything stylistically I'd probably built nowadays, but it just – the bike just hauled ass and, you know, big old rigid frame on it, yeah. no spring seat. You know, I hate spring seats. Yeah. You know, if you're going to ride rigid, ride a rigid. Don't yeah. put a spring fucking seat on it. Excuse me. You know? <laughs> no, it's true. I don't know. And springs just are just a launching pad to throw you off the bike. That's you know, right. <laughs> when you hit a bump. Anyway, so uh, we did this ride. Just, God damn, it was so much fun. You yeah. Know? And there was 50 people maybe, some guys from Texas, Atomic Trent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He came out, and uh, that's where I met him. and. And it was the first time I met a lot of these guys. It was sort of, mm-hmm. I think that was like the, I without question, I think now looking back, that kind of, that 2006 El Diablo run was probably the, you know, the beginning of this sort of renaissance into the old bikes, mm-hmm. I think. Because that, after we did that ride and there were so many, made some met so many amazing people and it was just about riding the motorcycles and having a good time. Yeah. And it was no fronting on, you know, any of that. And yeah, you can't fake that. No, you can't fake it. That's and a it, long ride and into it, the unknown, basically. Yeah. Well, the thing about it, you know, the miles were not really that. There's not a, it's not big miles. But mm-hmm. at the same time, we went at a time of year, the first year, where the weather was a mother, man. It, yeah. was, it was snow in the mountains in California. Wow. It rained 
uh, on several occasions in Mexico, and it was cold as a witch's tit, and it was windy <laughs> as hell, man. Yeah. I mean, it was it was gnarly riding across Baja. It was yeah. gnarly. Ask any of the guys in one of that first trip. It was gnarly. But at the same time, it was so much goddamn fun, man. Yeah. I mean, we were just... Uh, you know, it was a life changer for a lot of people, many, many stories to tell, you know? Yeah. And so I think that whole thing at El, in El Diablo, the first year, I think spawned a lot of that stuff. And, uh, it definitely was a spark, another spark for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think I started pushing a little harder with the bike thing then, you know, like doing more bikes, doing, mm-hmm. you know, pushing out a little bit further and, um, and so that's kind of that's kind of the story, I guess, of Crow Customs. You know, it's still I still have it's still a cottage industry kind of thing for mm-hmm. me. It's not full blown brick and mortar kind of place yet, yeah. but it, it's I think it's going that direction. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to keep it contained and <laughs> as long as possible. <laughs> yeah, and not and not kind of fall into uh, you know fall into a point where it's just. You know, I'm hating life because I'm having to put ape hangers on a bagger or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, and you and you can steer that, right? It's your company. Yeah, I hope so. I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying. It's yeah. hard to make that balance where you got to make a living. Yeah. And and if this is your sole living, yeah, you kind of gotta. Yeah. But I, I mean, just from my my perspective, it seems like um, over the last year that I've that I've been in this community, I've seen, um, I've I've seen more publicity for you, um, and and it, it's probably weird talking about this, but. It's just the reality of business. I've seen more publicity for you. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, we're at a point where uh, everybody and their brother wants a bike. Right. Not everybody can afford a Crow Customs bike right. or, or any other independent builder, yeah. you know, for that matter. But I can't afford a Crow Customs bike. Right. <laughs> <It's> right. <laughs> I build them. I can't afford to keep them, man. <laughs> it's, I understand. Well, I'm, I'm going to understand yeah, soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think, you're, I think you're positioned in a good place, you know? You know, I'm happy. I, you know, and I'm, I'm, it's flattering. It's, uh, I'm incredibly grateful that people are appreciative and enjoy what I'm, what I'm doing. And I mean, all this stuff is, you know, sometimes it's, it's kind of weird to be talking about what you're doing in your garage and, you know, but I I think it's, it's, it makes me feel good that people dig it, you know, and, and I, you know, I can't complain about it, you know, so far. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty stoked about it, you know, and I, I I'm just gonna keep on doing what I'm doing and yeah. and and try not to get too crazy, you know. What um let's talk about uh I mean when I when I came in the first bike that I saw from you mm-hmm. was Yang, right? And that was in that was for Born Free Four. Yep. Obviously, it's not the first bike you've ever built, right? Um, were you were you invited to any of the other Born Frees or or yeah? Okay, and what what bikes did you build for that? The uh, Born Born Free Three. Mm-hmm. was the first year that they did the Builder Invitational. Okay. There was a Born Free 3? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. It was the first year they did the Builder Invitational thing um, where they invited a group of guys to bring bikes and did all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So they invited me that year, and I that uh, and I brought this uh, 1956 Panhead, Black Panhead, I called Six Sika, which is Blackfoot, you know, nice. North American native tribe. And, uh, yeah, I brought that bike there. And, um, uh, amazingly, I, you know, I'm still dumbfounded. Amazingly, it took first place for the builder's invite awesome. section of the show, which was really, really neat for me because I'm not a show guy. I don't go and enter my yeah. bike, 
and shows. I, it's just not my. Th- I, I don't do it to compete. You know. Right. I think if you did it to compete, it would take so much of the joy out of it because sure. you have some unreasonable expectations, and you start hoping you're going to win something. Then then you're disappointed if you don't. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So I just try to keep it all about the bikes and riding. You know. So, but in that case. I had no idea they were going to do some voting. So I was stoked about bringing the bike there because it's just you're sharing the bike and you're looking yeah. at the other bikes and like, okay, I'm not worried about winning anything. I don't want to worry about voting or any of that crap. Yeah, yeah. But they uh, they did it. And the way they did it was, which was even more amazing, was is it was only voted on by the other builders. Hmm. So you had a ballot, you know, and only the builders and I think a couple of the organizers were allowed to vote on the mm-hmm. on the bikes. And um, you couldn't vote for your own bike. So sure. you had to pick your favorite three and stuff. So um, so when I won first place there, the first uh, Born Free 3 for the Black Panhead, it was like, wow, you know, because all these other builders there, they're just, you know, guys that are amazingly talented and that sure. I – I'm all, I, I admire every one of them, and they're like, wow, they picked my bike. Makes you feel a little weird being <laughs> chosen by by these guys. Who it was really and, crazy, yeah, really, really crazy, you know. And it was definitely a high point for me to be acknowledged by by those guys that I never considered myself a peer. I don't, I know, you know, it's it's hard to I know for maybe some people since I'm so involved in the whole thing, but I never looked at myself as a bike builder mm-hmm. in that sense, you know. I still don't think I'm a bike builder. I'm just a guy that loves motorcycles and I modify them and Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. I don't know. But um so to be acknowledged by guys that I don't consider myself in that sort of same class mm-hmm. peer wise, it was blew my mind, you know? Right. So And then so then Born Free Four, yeah. you built Yang, which Yang's got a lot of attention. Yeah, it, you know, again it was uh they asked me to do um a bike again uh, for Born Free 4 and initially I uh, was apprehensive about it because building a bike you know for, for a show like that on a timeline and having a schedule mm-hmm. is really it's not easy yeah it's not easy and um, building a bike is not easy right. building a good bike is not easy and then throwing a timeline um, on then it. Then throwing a timeline on it <laughs> where you got to have it done and be running and the whole thing it's it's a bitch man and doing it by yourself and mm-hmm. It's difficult. So anybody that's building a bike for Born Free, uh, I massive respect. No matter what the bike looks like, yeah. you know, no matter if it's running and it looks good, you got my you got my respect, man, yeah. for sure. So they asked me to build another bike that uh, last year, and so I agreed. And um, I just for whatever reason I had this, you know, like I don't want to build another '60s style chopper. Yeah, everybody's. It's been done a million times. That's what I love. I love those bikes. I love riding those bikes. Yeah. But I just felt like, oh, I want to just build something else. I want to build something I wouldn't normally do. Mm-hmm. You know, a swing arm with a push button starter. And it's a kind of a race vibe, you know? Yeah. And so I challenged myself to do it. And and uh, and I wanted to, I think in the part of all that stuff too is like, you know, if I'm not always learning something new. Yeah. I starts getting a little stagnant and boring. Yeah. So I so I you know I wanted to learn something new and so that kind of thing. So I did a bunch of sheet metal work from scratch and you know I built this bike, this Yang bike and it was a a task. It was really, <laughs> I mean, you know, late nights and the whole thing and at the end of getting it done, 
I was really happy with the bike. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow. And I looked at it going, wow, who, who the hell built this thing? It doesn't yeah. look like a typical <laughs> Crow Customs bike. But, right. um, but I was happy with it. I was happy to have it done. I was running and, you know, riding it. And so uh, I took it to the show and, again, had the same vibe. I said, there's no way there's no way I'm even going to place Yeah. because it's so different from what I built before. And it's a chopper show. Right. And Some it's not, there to see these even chops. though this is, you know, if you wanted to get categorical on yeah. the thing, it is a chopper sure, because it's sure. a modified Harley that's chopped. You know sure. I mean? It's like cut the neck. I mean, it's chopped. But it's not the typical 60s, you you know, 70s it. bikes that you saw there. Exactly. It's an 80s sort of inspired thing, which yeah. is, you know, I wanted to go sort of to another era. Yeah. I know like a guy, I don't know if you know Dave Polgreen, uh, Dave with the Wretched Hive. and Oh, yeah, yeah. He built yep. a bike last yep. year for, for Born Free, and he's really into that 80s vibe, and he yep. built some really nice stuff too. So I knew he would like it. I knew Dave would appreciate <laughs> the bike, you know? You'd have at least one fan. Yeah, I'd have at least one guy that was digging the bike. And uh, so anyway, so I went there. I had a, Born Free is an amazing show. I had a great time and just yeah. chilling out, you know, the whole thing. And, and, and you know, sure enough, first place again. I was like, what the fuck, man? Are Who's you paying ki- off these judges? Yeah. It's like, are you kidding me? I said, this like, there's no way people are going to vote for me and then vote for that bike. There's no way. Yeah. You know? And so, uh, yeah. And then I was up on stage with Michael Berrigan. He, I think he took, uh, third mm-hmm. for the builder's invite. And then Jason Ferris, which everybody knows, uh, he took second for his panhead. So I'm up on stage with these two guys that I really admire and build beautiful motorcycles. Yeah, it was a great moment. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So, yeah, two years in a row is pretty mind-blowing. Yeah. Pretty mind-blowing. And that brings us up to this current year. Yeah. Which this, it seems like this bike <laughs> Shouldn't is a- I be working on my bike right now instead of talking to your ass? <laughs> I think you should be. <laughs> I got room in my garage. Yeah, I should, I should have brought it over here. I'm going to have you do some welding or something. Uh, you wouldn't want that. That'd be bad. Um so this year, you decided to go a little bit of a departure from even that, you know, yeah. typical 60s chopper. Yeah. And let's talk yeah. a little bit about that. Yeah. So they, they come around again, and they ask me, uh, yeah, it's kind of this year. Wow, man. It's it's becoming this whole throw a wrench into everything kind of yeah. deal, right? So right away, these guys asked me, not too long after Born Free ended last year, they yeah. asked me, hey, you want to just going to put it out there. We want you to build another bike for next year. I'm like, okay, let me think about it. Yeah. Cause I was definitely rough the year before. I've got PTSD from first yeah. year. Or yeah. From the second year. Yeah. Yeah. And I just had it, you know, and, and, uh, my wife just gave birth to our first kid, our daughter, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, so I knew that was going to be heavy and I knew some other big stuff was coming up this year. Mm-hmm. So I knew that throwing a, throwing a custom bike in there, especially something for like born free with a timeline was going to be tough. I got a bunch of parts I'm working on. I got some other builds I'm working on. So I knew this was going to be harder than years before. And, uh, but I also knew that I didn't want to overextend myself in the sense of like building something completely from scratch. Like I did the year before. I just would not have the time to do that. And, uh, so I had this 49 panhead that's been sitting in the corner of my shop for a long time. And it's something I've been wanting to build for a while just to build a nice running bike, you know? And so I said, okay, this is an opportunity for me to build this bike and just build a nice running bike for me, mm-hmm. make it clean or whatever for the show, but I'm not going to go nuts and, and I want to keep it somewhat contained. Yeah. And I know there's people out there laughing right now when I say I'm not going to go nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but 
especially if they've seen the picture so right. far. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's just, you know, it's a disease, man. You know, once you start cutting, it's, you know, it just never ends. But uh, so I, my initial plan was to start working on that bike back in December mm-hmm. of last year. Uh, well, <laughs> like life happens, like in November, end of November, I was on my uh, chopper, my 66 long bike, mm-hmm. riding through Hollywood picking up parts for that bike for my build. I had a part on the back of my bike <laughs> and I got clipped by a car on Hollywood and Western. And, uh, <laughs> I guess I got, it wasn't horrible, but bad enough. I broke, broke my right leg from the mm-hmm. knee down and I had surgery on it and I had a big gash in my left leg. And, and I remember getting hit and I'm laying on the ground in the middle of Hollywood Boulevard. And I had a vest on, I had this really nice vest that, uh, the eat dust guys got me. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> the first thing I thought about, of course, was my daughter and my and my wife. And, you know, make, you know what I mean? That crosses yeah. your mind. And the second thought was, wow, this is really going to fuck up my born free schedule. <laughs> <laughs> There's the list of priorities just ran down yeah. in your head. Family, yeah. born free bike. Yeah. Damn it. This is really going to mess up my schedule. And the guys are cutting my jeans off, right? And they got to my shirt. And I go, don't cut the vest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't cut my vest, man. Third priority. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so that laid me up, man. I lost a good three and a half, four months, you know, so of recovering. And as soon as I was able to kind of wheel around in a wheelchair, I was out in the shop trying to do stuff. And so the guys called me from Born Free and said, listen, man, you know, we support you. And this guy's been amazing. And, and all the guys in the scene and and the built wall guys and a lot of my close friends and stuff that, Mm -hmm. uh, incredibly supportive. That's the other thing I love about them. You know, the motorcycle scene is, uh, people are just so incredibly generous and, and helpful, yeah. especially in a time of need. So, um, I had a lot of amazing support and the guys, uh, from born free were like, listen, just let us know what's going on. And I, after the accident, I was more determined to build the bike. Yeah. I was like, ah, I'm not going to give up. Like, you know, I'm not going to give up this easy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's just a bump in the road, you as know? As long as I got use of my hands, I can still. Yeah. So there. I told him, I said, listen, at the end of January, if I can walk, you know, if I'm on my feet, I'm going to build a bike. Nice. So uh, I started, you know, it ended up being February. So, you know. <laughs> a little behind. But- a little behind, yeah. So I'm, I'm scrambling, but uh, it, it seems like it's coming together. So, you know, it's 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 going to be a neat little bike. It's not, uh, um, it's not over the top. It's got a little bit of an East L.A. vibe to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not. Uh, I wouldn't say it's uh, out of the 60s for sure. It's definitely not a 60s-style chopper. It's somewhere between... You know, a traditional style chopper and and mm-hmm. East LA vibe. You know, and and uh, just trying to mix it up a little bit. And it's it's all it's a lot a lot of original Harley parts that I modified subtly. You know, and uh, so it should be should be fun. Should be interesting. Pictures I've seen so far, it looks beautiful. Thanks, man. I can't wait to see it. I yeah. can't wait to see it either. <laughs> That's with with all these guys I'm following. You know, and I'm talking to them as they're. Yeah, uh, I've I've only done some interviews with a few builders, and uh, seeing their bikes and and looking forward to not only meeting some of the folks I've only done phone interviews with, but seeing those bikes in person. Yeah. I'm excited about, I'm really excited about that to be honest with you. Cause, uh, obviously I know a lot of the guys that yeah. are building the bikes and, and a lot of guys that are new this year that I don't know, I'm really looking forward to, to meeting them. And I'm, I'm just like you, I'm looking at what they're building yeah. and stuff. I'm, you know, and so I'm excited. I'm just as excited about seeing the other bikes as I am getting mine done, you know? 
So, that's awesome. Yeah, and that's, yeah. and that's you know, to add to your comment about the generosity of the community, that's also the other aspect of, of the culture. It's, yeah. you know, everyone's excited. I think most people, if they're not totally stuck on themselves, yeah. they're, they're really genuinely excited to see what other people are doing. Yeah. There's a common bond, man. Yeah. You know? And I think that's the cool thing about it. And, uh, and I've, I've said it for many, many, many times, especially about the born free thing. You know, it's, it's a, it's a good time to be alive. Yeah. And especially for guys that are into the stuff that we're into. Yeah. And, uh, it's a very, very unique time. And, uh, sadly, this is not going to last forever. Right. It, it's, it's, it's going to take a dip, you know, yeah. people are going to get tired of it and just like it did in the seventies and the sixties. And, yeah. but all the guys that are in it, because they love it, they're going to be there. Right. They're all going to be there. So uh, there's guys I know, uh, I can just imagine like a lot of the guys we know from Born Free and some mm-hmm. of the other builders, you know, 20 years down the road. Yeah, I'm mean, sure they're going to still be doing what they're doing, you know. Yeah. I think that's the neat thing about remember it. Remember those days when we used to go to Born yeah, Free? Yeah, yeah. You remember that shit? <laughs> remember that ugly boob like I built? Yeah. <laughs> that thing was fucking ugly, man. <laughs> we're going to have to, I'm going to, I think we're going to do a second episode okay. uh, with sure. you because I, I want to talk about um, another bike that you built. Uh, there's some videos of it's beautiful. It's oh. the, the board tracker. Oh, yeah. The BS1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, thing yeah. is beautiful. Thanks, man. Thanks. Um, sure. We'll, we'll do, if you're up for it, we'll do another episode. Um, cool. Yeah, yeah. I like to always ask guests, and, and you may have already uh, answered this, but um, it's kind of a heavy question, but what's what's the worst thing that you've experienced to date in your life? Worst? Yeah, the worst experience you've had to date. Oh, oh Jesus Christ. Oh, man. That is a tough question. Um, the worst thing I've experienced in my life. That's tough, man. That's tough. I, I think recently you know, the whole accident was tough. Um, I don't know. The accident itself, getting hit by the car and then getting the surgery, wasn't as crazy as it sounds. Yeah. Uh, it was bad. It sucks. I mean, you definitely. But like a couple weeks after the accident, uh, I ended up getting a blood clot in my mm-hmm. left leg, uh, which was severe. And That's I didn't know scary. how. Se- yeah. I didn't know how severe it was. So I remember going to the hospital in the emergency room and basically <laughs> these grim faces of the, the nurses and stuff that basically, if we don't get your ass in the hospital now and wired up, you, yeah. you potentially could die in 48 hours. So, uh, that was pretty gnarly. Wow. The, the idea of thinking, shit, I could die any second because of an embolism or something. Yeah. Was pretty gnarly. What was uh, what tipped you off that you had a, a clot? I had pain in my left leg, but mm-hmm. I was walking, you know, on crutches. So initially, I thought it was just, uh, you know, a sore because it was putting all the weight on my leg. Mm-hmm. But it progressed to behind my knee and then my groin, and then I couldn't even walk. I couldn't even put any weight on. It was so much pain. Wow. And I went to the emergency room and. You're like, you probably got a clot. And then they did this ultrasound and said, yep, you got a clot. And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? And says, well, it could break up and you could die. I'm like, what? You How know? is something that's supposed to be in me going yeah. to kill me? <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty heavy duty. And I just had a daughter, you know, yeah. and, and my wife and everything. And, and yeah, it was pretty heavy, pretty heavy. So um, yeah, you know, that's pretty, if that's not the worst, it's pretty close. <laughs> that yeah, is, that's heavy. Close. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, the reason why I bring that up is, and most people who've been listening to the show know this, but um, I think there's people that deal, um, everybody deals with stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that there may be someone out there that might be able to, you know, maybe is in the same place, True. you know, with a clot, or True. maybe they're just in a place where they're like, wow, yeah. you know, my life isn't that bad. Yeah. And it takes some encouragement. Perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Perspective. Listen, I mean, I've, I've, I've had some very, very difficult moments in my life, uh, struggles and stuff like that. Um, 
then there was definitely moments where it's like, how the hell am I going to get through this? I can't, yeah. you know, I can't, I can't make it, you know, I can't do it. And I was like, what am I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, what somehow you do yeah. and somehow in the back of your mind, you just kind of keep plugging away and keep plugging away and keep plugging away and keep plugging away. And when you're in the middle of it, it seems like an eternity. Yeah. But eventually you get out of it, you know, and you make it. And, and the fact of the matter is, I think, well, I don't think I know from personal experience. The fact of the matter is you, it, it, uh, the people around you mm-hmm. makes a big difference, man. Big difference. You are the company you keep. Hmm. And, uh, man, a support system and people that love and care about your family and friends. And, and, uh, and, and more importantly, you know, a real friend is a person that's there when times aren't good, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you're down in the dumps and shit's really, really bad, that guy knocking on your door, that's a friend. Yeah. That guy calling you, that's a friend. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so being in the hospital and all that stuff that went down for me, you – yeah, it's the old cliche again. It's like you know who your friends are. Mm-hmm. You really do. And um I sure as hell did. You know, and I'm and I'm I'm blessed. I'm very, very lucky that I have uh some good people around me that really care about me and it's a huge, huge, huge thing. So it's heavy. Um heavy. <laughs> <laughs> what uh what's what's the best experience you've had to date in your life? Uh well, you know, obviously recently the birth of my daughter was mm-hmm. pretty amazing and you have kids so you know that yeah. whole experience and that's an easy one you know yeah um professionally as far as the bike thing goes the whole born free stuff has been pretty pretty gnarly yeah, pretty amazing that i talked about yeah um you know i've had so many amazing riding experiences you know uh we we rode uh, some close friends we rode from new york down to north carolina a couple years back down mm-hmm. in the blue ridge mm-hmm. and we just took our time and camped and that was pretty amazing, you know? Yeah. Um, so I've, I've been, I've been lucky, you know, I've been very, very blessed. And, but you know, I also believe that you make those moments in your life. Sure. You got to put yourself in those situations and you got to, you know, time is short and we're only here once. And yeah. as far as I know, we're only here once. Yeah. And, uh, you got to go out and make things happen for yourself. And, and, uh, so I've been lucky and fortunate enough to put myself in those situations to have those experiences. And, but, uh, obviously, the birth of my daughter is pretty goddamn amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it just gets even better, man. Let me oh, tell dude. you. I mean, and I was, we were in the, I don't bore people with a birthing story, but this, I, I still, I tell everybody this story, man, because it's pretty rad. My wife is like, my wife's, as far as I'm concerned, my wife's the shit. She yep. is like the shit because we went in into the, when she was in delivery and you're like freaking out. This whole thing's going on. And in the middle of like her, her finally pushing mm-hmm. our kid out, Kaya, she says to the doctor, she says, can I reach down and, and grab her? Wow. And the doctor's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll just pull her out a little bit, and then you can reach down and grab <laughs> So wow. my wife grabs her underneath her arms and pulls her out. Wow. And, you know, I was like, holy shit. I was like, yeah, woo, woo. I was like, that's awesome, you know. <laughs> you so, are my hero. Yeah, watching her pull her out. And, then, oh, man, it was unbelievable. Pretty that's amazing awesome. stuff. Pretty amazing stuff. Yeah. yeah, I feel the same way about my wife. She's yeah, yeah. um Three kids, and none of them have been easy. Yeah. Maybe someday I'll interview her on this. You should. Yeah, you should. We're building her bike, so someday when, when she's on her bike, we'll talk about her bike. Listen, the ladies in our lives that put up with the stuff that we, you know, that understand what we do and why we do it, and they are supportive and they put up with us, and that is major. And yeah. uh, I think all the women out there that uh, that do that, they, they deserve 
more credit and my wife is is amazing because i'm many many hours in the shop and you know and stress and stuff and she's nothing but supportive so that's awesome yeah i love you baby (laughs) (laughs) i get brownie points for that one now you have to listen to the podcast yeah exactly well, Caleb, this has been an incredible interview, and and just uh, to be able to sit across the table from you and thanks, buddy. And talk thanks for you. having me, man. Yeah, um, we like I said, I think we're gonna do a second episode just sure. to talk a little bit more about. I love talking about this stuff, so I'm down. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks again for being on the show. Cool, man. Take care. Pleasure.